Good morning. Good morning. I'm Pastor Lisa. I want to welcome you this morning to worship with us. And um, as we gather together, we're going to worship in song. But I want to share just one thing with you, only because I will forget later. Um, for the summer, for July and August, we're going to switch to one service at 10 o'clock. What did she say? 10 o'clock. I love it. They all said one service at 10 o'clock for July and August only for now. And then it's up for discussion. But um, we get to enjoy each other's camaraderie a little more. We get to be a little bit of a bigger group. So it should be really fun to worship online and in person. One service at 10 o'clock, July and August. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. We're going to open this morning with some songs. So if you'll stand and join with us. Father God, we thank you this morning for your grace. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We just bless your name. You are so awesome to us, and the only thing we can do is give you praise because you deserve it. You deserve it, God, because, Lord, you woke us up this morning. We went to bed last night, Lord, but did not wake this morning. So, God, we are so thankful, and we don't want to take it for granted, Lord. Forgive us where we have come short, Lord, and we pray, God, that today we will lift up a praise to you from our hearts. In Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Should I ever need reminding? Well, 
Bless your name, Jesus. Take all I have in these hands and multiply, God, all that I am and find my heart on the altar again. Set me a fire. Set me in fire. Sing with me. Take all I have in these hands and multiply. God, all that I am and find my heart on the altar again. Set me on fire. 
So I get the privilege of uh, letting you know, sit down and relax for a minute. I'll make you sit up again in a minute. <laughs> so I get the privilege um, every Sunday to share some of our pegs with you, how we pray, how we engage, how we give, and how we serve. And in the summer, some of you know this already, it's my favorite thing. We do what's called 10 for 10. So we ask you for $10 for 10 weeks for these missions that Mike could use a little extra help in the summer. And so this week, what we're asking for is for you to help with the kids getting to camp. And so we have little bags set up you can give online. 
Um, camp is such an amazing effect on kids. I know when I was a kid, getting to go away to summer camp was a huge deal. And for my family, it was really tight to be able to do that. And so I needed a scholarship. And I'm so very grateful that people like you were there to provide that. So if you can give to our pegs this week and also pray for our campers and pray for our Vacation Bible School. You've noticed we have an interesting set behind us this morning, right? Um, so if you'll pray for Vacation Bible School as they get started tomorrow, um, really help those little kids get to see who Jesus is through our love. Amen. Um, our morning prayer this morning, if you'll bow your heads. We give our thanks, Creator God, for the fathers in our lives. Fatherhood does not come with a manual, and reality teaches us that some fathers succeed while others fail. But from you, we learn what a father is meant to be, strong, loving, and wise. For your sake, we honor those men who have helped give us life, and all the other men whose love and strength have helped us grow. We ask for your blessings for them and forgiveness where it's needed. Thank you for the men who cuddled and played with us and so helped us to learn what your joyous love is like. Thank you for the trustworthy men who taught us about your faithfulness. Thank you for the men who gave their time and attention and so helped us become secure in our own self-worth. Thank you for the men in our lives who have prayed and watched over us, kept our secrets, baited our hooks, assembled our bicycles, rescued our pets, and banished the monsters from beneath our beds. Help us who are their daughters and sons, whether by blood or by affection, honor and respect the man whose love has made us strong. Help us honor our fathers for doing the best they could, even if sometimes we wish they had done differently. This Father's Day, we remember the many sacrifices that fathers make for their children and families, and the ways both big and small. So too, we remember all of those who help, have helped fill the void when fathers are not available, when they are absent, when they have passed away too soon. Those grandfathers and uncles, brothers and cousins, teachers, pastors and coaches, and the women of our families. Grant to those men among us who are now raising children an extra measure of wisdom, that they may know how to guide young feet through an increasingly turbulent world. Give to them that strength that knows how to be tough as well as tender, demanding as well as forgiving. We pray all this as your Son taught us to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. And lead us those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you'll please stand and join us.
Good morning. We have dueling cups here. I love it. And they're the same. I got different stickers. I am Pastor Peyton, and I get to share with you this morning, and I am really excited. I was over there, and I got sort of lost in the song, but I was thinking about something completely outlandish, so I'm just going to share with you. So, you know, we used to talk when the kids were growing up that everybody comes out and um, when you're watching sporting events and all that, it's like, hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> hi, dad. I couldn't resist. So our scripture this morning comes from the um, Gospel of Luke. And it is the scripture where Jesus frees a demon-possessed man. So it's important to know what happens before this is Jesus was taking a nap. He was in a boat. There was a storm. He was taking a nap. They docked. And then this is what occurs. So here are these words. Jesus and his disciples sailed to the Gerasenes land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city and was possessed by demons. For a long time, he had lived among the tombs, naked and homeless. When he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. And then he shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him, and so he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. He would break his restraints, and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had entered him. They pleaded with him not to order them to go back into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, and the demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff and into the lake and drowned. When those who tended the pigs saw what had happened, they ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found that the man who the demons had gone from was sitting at Jesus' feet, 
fully dressed, and completely sane. They were filled with awe. Those people had actually seen what had happened, told them how the demons possessed man had been delivered. Then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes and asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he returned across the lake. The man from whom the demons had gone begged him to come along with Jesus and all of his disciples so that he could be a disciple. Jesus sent him away saying, return home. Tell the story of what God has done for you. So he went and throughout the city proclaimed what Jesus had done for him. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us have ears to hear. So I am always excited to get the best backdrop of every year. It's an adventure, right? We are off on an adventure today, both here, we're getting ready for the week, and in our scripture. So this week, this is a theme of redirection. I said to Pastor Lisa when I looked at the scripture, I was like, really? Like, this is my scripture? But then the more I thought about it, the more it was like, wow, like this could be a really fun adventure. So we have this theme of redirection, an invitation to reorient ourselves or refocus our path away from the multi-voiced madness of the world that we live in to the single voice of Christ. So we learn very early on in the story that an encounter with Jesus results in radical transformation. So listen to that sentence for a second. An encounter with Jesus results in radical transformation. Have you ever felt that where you were in life was hopeless? Like just, it was one thing after another, one piece of bad news after a piece of bad news, and you wondered why can I ever catch a break? The pain and hurt of the moment at every turn just makes you want to crawl under the covers and watch for me, it would be Hallmark, for you, it would be whatever. that we want to withdraw from the community, we want to be left alone. I started to think maybe that's an adequate description of how this man felt on the bank as Jesus arrived. I just want to be left alone. Just let me stay here in my wilderness. Let me stay away from people. The life that I'm living is full of way too much pain currently. So the good news is today is a message of hope. When all seems abandoned, an encounter with Jesus results in a radical transformation. It's interesting to me that Jesus' connection to community is that connection for all of those who are, think about it, broken, hurting, sick, healing, seeking, all of those things. Jesus calls us in our brokenness to come and be with him. He is the fixer of all brokenness. The man in our story was all of these things. And through the monumental love of Jesus and the miraculous work of our Lord, he was healed. He was made whole. All of the demons, all of the words of the world that were falling in upon him were gone. And he was clothed and unnaked and healed at the foot of Jesus. An encounter with Jesus results in radical transformation. 
So like in the context of this whole story, it's like, it's a story. There were demons, the demons were gone, the demons went in the pigs, the pigs died, the man was healed. Like it sounds like a normal, everyday, simple miracle of Jesus, right? Jesus did lots of these things. Jesus healed lots of people. But Luke does some things here that on the surface you may not notice, but I find it interesting. I love when I find scripture that the original language that it was written in tells us a story within the story. So Luke is using some words here and some verbs here that really build the monumental task that was at hand for Jesus. He uses words that don't just mean demons are having a bad day, but armies, like the world is crashing in. He uses words that for the binding of the hands and the feet that talk about bondage in a way that you just can't escape. The language of the whole episode evokes an experience of living under brutal, occupying power and attack. I think many of us have seen this live out in our world or we have been living that out. We feel like our lives are under attack. It might be for a day, it might be for a moment, it might be for a lifetime. So I wonder when we hear this story, who do you identify with? Do you identify with Jesus taking a nap, getting ready for the day, hopping out of the boat and having a job to do. But Jesus is Jesus. He was ready, right? Or do you identify with the man? Isolated in the wilderness, full of pain and brokenness, lonely, depressed, anxious, wondering if anything will ever really change. Or do you identify with the community? who saw and heard what had happened and in awe and fear sent Jesus away or in awe and fear were happy that the gentleman was sort of out of their hair for a while. In seminary, we had this assignment. It was called a PSDA, a Personal Spiritual Development Analysis. And what this plan was, this assignment, was to go back as early as you could remember in your life and recount stories of where you saw God actively at work in your life. And these spiritual encounters is what they were called. And you were asked to do as many as you could. Um, for me personally, put me in this place of several days of feeling sort of isolated and a bit of a wilderness. I was in the wilderness with God, which was great, but I was a puddle of tears and mess at recounting the grace that I had seen throughout my life from the earliest years to the present day. I realized at each of these milestones, at each of these times when I had encountered Jesus, that there were radical transformations that occurred. One of these stories began right here. Um, it was part of my call story. It was the beginning of how God was going to use me, but I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that I was sitting here about where Matthew was sitting, and for those of you online, front row. 
and we were talking about some upcoming events and one of the upcoming events was a women's conference and in this women's conference I had never been to a women's conference just so you know um, this was probably 15 years ago and um, I felt this urge to say I want to go but I didn't really want to go but God kept telling me I wanted to go and I kept saying no I don't really think so and um, there was a catch um, I couldn't just whip out a credit card I gotta have some skin in the game I needed to be able to in cash pay for my ticket I was new enough to the church that I didn't know a lot of people I was a Sunday person I came in my kids had a nice church home and it was wonderful and I went home and went about my week and God kept telling me Sunday every Sunday you need to go you need to go to this conference now I don't know how many of you know me well enough but you've heard me say it and I promise you this is true I am an introvert I know it doesn't seem like I'm an introvert when you see me but I am an introvert I sort of rest on the the line of being an introvert and an extrovert which means life is really tough sometimes but my introvertedness was coming in and I was being called in my heart to do something with people I didn't know really well at the time for a whole day I mean this was an eight to ten hour day listening to people talk about church stuff at a time in my life that that's not who I was and I remember going to this conference and for the first time I can tell you the scripture I can tell you who said it and I can tell you the whole story if you ever want to hear it but I sat there completely surrounded engulfed with the arms of Christ around me to the point that I didn't know how long I had been there or how long time had passed I only knew at the end of the day that I never wanted to leave that place that I was you see my grandmother had passed away and that was my rock that was my foundation that was my person and I didn't really know how I was going to continue without her and Jesus stepped in and showed me a different way and my formative experiences my formative encounters my grandmother was my one who shared faith with me an encounter with Jesus results in radical transformation there's another story a few years ago, much more recent than that one. Um, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Rafe, and I had an opportunity to go with the team to Cuba. In seminary, I remember hearing professors talk about how the Holy Spirit moves in communities and healings occur. And they would tell stories like the stories we read in Scripture, like the stories of this man being healed and the demons being cast out and him being completely well and going to share his story so as I heard these stories in seminary I would listen to the professors and I would just listen in awe and, and amazement trying to understand how how it's even possible like these were such stories that you can't wrap your brain around how what you're being told was firsthand seen happens so we get to go to Cuba 
And we get to go to Cuba during an annual conference where all the pastors of all the churches that we support in Cuba come together and they, we came together for a weekend and it's this weekend of amazing spirit-led worship. On the first night that we were there in worship, there was a young man, he was probably in his early 20s, that came in in a wheelchair and he was placed beside me. I was worried about some of our team that wouldn't know how to respond to the way that the service was getting ready to go. And honest to goodness, I didn't know what was getting ready to happen. But I was excited. And you could feel the spirit in the room. You could feel how God was working and moving amongst the people. And you could watch and see like this amazing experience. I had noticed this young man's feet, and he didn't have on shoes, he just had on socks, but his feet were rounded in a way that it didn't look like he had walked in a while. And I didn't know why he was in the wheelchair, and I couldn't communicate and ask anything because I don't speak Spanish and he didn't speak English, but we were there and the Spirit spoke both languages, so it was great. Throughout the service, as, as we started to feel the Spirit moving, this young man walked. I know that sounds crazy. Even in writing this, I knew you were going to think she's lost her, her marbles here. But this young man walked. I had an opportunity throughout the rest of the weekend to see him walking. And I remember at one point, we caught eye contact. And without being understanding, able to understand language, he shared his story with me. And that sounds crazy too, I know. But you see, an encounter with Jesus results in radical transformation. We see things we never imagined we could see. We experience things we never imagined to be true. And I tell you these stories so you can know it to be a possibility for you. I never knew before that day at that conference that the experience with Jesus was personal. I grew up in the church. I knew what I believed. I was sound in my faith. I was happy in my church. And my family had a home. But I didn't know. I didn't know the personal side of what could happen when you have an encounter with Jesus. I didn't understand that transformation until that point in time. It was the John Wesley Altersgate experience of a heartwarming moment. I pray that we as a community, as a body of Christ, that we could love others with this same radical and monumental love so that others can experience Jesus and have those encounters for radical transformation. I'm going to leave you today with a couple of questions. One main one, actually. Where are you experiencing encounters with Jesus that you experience this radical transformation? Jesus sent the demon-possessed man back into his community to share his story. He also sends us into our community to share our stories. Because when other hears, others hear our story, they can begin to see how radical 
transformation occurs from an encounter with Jesus. I think when I look at where we are today as a church, church with a big C, the United Methodist Church, the church everywhere, I found this in our book of discipline, and I think this is what this sort of looks like. Hear these words. It's a companion litany to our social creed. God in spirit revealed in Jesus Christ calls us by grace to be renewed in the image of our creator that we may be one in divine love with the world. Today is the day. God cares for the integrity of creation, wills the healing and wholeness of all life, weeps at the plunder of earth's goodness, and so shall we. Today is the day that God embraces all hues of humanity, delights in diversity and difference, favors solidarity, transforming strangers into friends. And so shall we. Today is the day that God cries when the masses of starving people despises growing disparity between rich and poor and demands justice for workers in the marketplace. And so shall we. Today is the day that God deplores violence in our homes and in our streets, rebukes the world's warring madness, and humbles the powerful and lifts up the lowly. And so shall we. Today is the day that God calls for nations and peoples to live in peace, celebrates where justice and mercy embrace, exalts the wolf, and exalts where the wolf grazes with the lamb. And so shall we. Today is the day God brings the good news to the poor, proclaims release to the captives, gives sight to the blind, and sets the oppressed free. And so shall we. You see, our tradition in the United Methodist Church and our history of scripture and all of these things that we look at come together in this moment to remind us that an encounter with Jesus results in radical transformation. Jesus sends us into the world to share our stories, and it's a big job. We're going to be out of our comfort zone. But an encounter with Jesus' monumental love results in radical transformation of the world. So I ask you to pray with me. Holy Spirit, come, come. We pray to be transformed. We pray for encounters with Jesus. We pray for our brokenness and we pray for your grace. Loving God, we rejoice in the story we have to tell of our transformation. We praise you for the amazing love and we ask that you would come, Lord, transform us. Amen and amen. Let's join together in song. Would you stand with us as we sing about God's love? It's all around. Is that amen?
our love is all around. So as you go now, remember that encounters with Jesus transform us. Go share your story of monumental love. Amen? Amen. All around. All around.